Welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. I'm, I'm back. I'm here. I've been off for a very long time. Dan, the Bottas fan, is here. And I just wanted to say thank you, mate, for um, covering me while I was off getting married and honeymooning and all those types of things. It's all right. I had a great time. Lovely, lovely bit. Lovely few podcasts. You didn't come to the wedding, though, did you? No, I'm very sorry. I, I was moving into uni. I, I'm very sorry. Someone who did come to the wedding, who could have brought an excuse but turned up is Matt. Matt you came all the way from Tennessee. I, I, I kind of shudder to think that Dan has the bollocks to actually say that's his excuse when I flew across country bro but it just lets you know who loves you more. Yeah you got no, four. No, you had to get no. four flights didn't you? <laughs> no, no, none of that. None of that. None four of airplanes that. 24 hours it took you with all the COVID restrictions. One assault charge with a guitar in Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> That's another story. And um, Carol, you came as well, didn't you? Did you have a nice time? I mean, you only came from Stoke, so it wasn't too far, but you were still there. I'm, I had a great time on the Saturday, and then it was downhill from about midnight for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's what happens when you drink three bottles of wine, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm wondering how in depth we go into that, but I think we'll have to skip over it. That we? could be a nerd's exclusive for the inside, <laughs> behind the scenes stuff one day. Yeah, I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there and never talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a few stories we could share from my wedding, but it was um, it was fantastic. We had a good laugh. Um, the whole nerds team were there, apart from Dan. Um, it was better. It wasn't Dan. everyone except me. Let's <laughs> not make it out like oh, I'm some cartoon. Villain. The real nerds were there, is what Ollie's trying to say. I I wasn't sat there thinking, God, I wish Dan was here. Put it that way. I had a great time. <laughs> No, and do you know why? Because the Monza sprint race was on at the time, wasn't it? And I was, I was, I think I was doing my speech when that was on, and I could just see you lot all huddled round a phone in the corner. Yeah, I'm not a sprint race. You're both laughing, but you're both rude. And trust me, at your wedding next year, Matt, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. I I encourage you to, because we were in the corner, like, yeah, 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 you know, cheers, yeah, you're married, cool stuff. Ooh, (laughs) and it was so frustrating watching you all go. And I was thinking, what's going on? At least put it in the air so I can see The it. worst thing was, when you actually found out what it was, it wasn't what you wanted to hear. It was Lewis falling miles back. Yeah, that was a while ago, Dan. So, um... I think what we should do, Ollie, for uh, you know my wedding next year, we should hold up those pit lane boards during the speech and the ceremony. That way, if anybody has an update for what's happening on track, we can just hold it up in the middle of the ceremony and everybody will be updated. Well, I'll pre-prepare. I only need one, which is Vettel's uh, screwed it up somehow. In fact, I could hold it up for you right now. (laughs) May as well. (laughs) No, but we had a really good time. And yes, thanks again, Dan, Charlotte, Jay, for covering. And uh, Matt, you even stepped in last week as well. So um, thank you, sir. Yeah, that was worse than the international travel. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But we are here today to discuss... The Turkish Grand Prix. Now, last year, it was one of our first podcasts where we discussed the Turkish Grand Prix. And I recall uh, extensive laughter over um, 
certain drivers, certain things that happened. We actually called the episode Tickled Tickled in Turkey, something like that. Um, I wasn't, just to summarise, I wasn't very tickled by anything today. I mean, um, Cal, we watched it together. What, what, did, what did you think of this race? In a word, boring. Um, yeah, it wasn't great, was it, for the viewers? I mean, there was one highlight, which we'll get into in a bit, but other than that, it, it was, I'm surprised we didn't nod off, to be fair. Okay, so you've gone with the one-word race review. Okay, let's stick with this. Um, I don't want to even ask Dan what he thinks of it, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he can summarise it in one word. Dan, summarise it in one word only. Um, porridge. <laughs> what? It's International oh, Porridge Day. Earth. Powered by porridge. That's so what I'm going to go for. You're known as Dan the Bottas fan, and you, you porridge was your word, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Let's be honest, that's better than him just randomly type being symbols and combinations of letters in there our chat. There wasn't one word that summed it up, so I went with porridge. Okay, I mean, I, I actually had to take my Apple Watch off during the last few laps because it was, um, yeah, it was going to shake my wrist off. Um, Matt, what did you, th- Matt the Vettel fan, what did you think of this race in one word? <laughs> Forgettable. Forgettable. It- Matt, if I say slicks, does it give you like PTSD Vietnam flashbacks? <laughs> I think I think if you say that enough slicks. times, I can call my therapist and say we can move past childhood trauma because we have a whole new list of stuff to go over. <laughs> I mean, okay, right. We just we'll start with this, then we'll talk about qualifying. But Seb slicks on that track, right? It was like he was just on his steering wheel, going left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, like that. I mean. It was hysterical to watch. <laughs> it looks like a rhinoceros on roller skates to me because I understand their intent about why they went for it, but uh, I think Seb's going to be now referred to as Shakira by me because that car did not lie. It was not ready for those tires, and he was a madman for doing it. <laughs> it took him like two minutes to get around and straight back in again. I think so. Well, he almost bent it. He, went- he almost bent it in the pit lane too remember when he came into the pit entry <laughs> he did that i just in camel in canada didn't he yes really. oh, that was i don't know where he went for mediums and not softs though Dan, he had he a new pair of softs <laughs> no but it would have maybe made some like he had a new pair of softs so i don't know why he went for mediums it was like halfway through the race wasn't it it was they didn't know what the deck was going to be and also, there were only twenty laps. They didn't have to worry about digging. They didn't have to worry about dig. Yeah, if you only do one lap. <laughs> but uh, for me, I understand their intent behind that, and I had a very hard time watching the track, trying to ascertain whether or not it was dry enough. What I'm hoping happened is I wasn't privy to the comms. Is that they asked them, "Do you think it'll work?" And if they left it on his shoulders and he just made a bad call, that's okay. But if the team dictated to him, that's a different issue. But. Uh, Either way, not a good look for Aston Martin this weekend. Have we heard the radio from that? Do we actually know whose decision that was? No? Okay. Just wondering. I will find out when we get to that stage, but I, I haven't got that far yet. Um, we will find out. We will find out. Um, so, yeah, it was it was different feelings for everyone. I mean, in terms of how I felt about it, I just I felt my word would be flat. Oh, um, bless it's a bit of a neutral word that doesn't really sell this podcast, but we're going to talk about all the highlights. So let's start with qualifying yesterday. 100% chance of rain was predicted. Um, how did that manifest, Dan? Um, it didn't really. I mean, it was soggy 
but it was wasn't pouring down by any means. Yeah, I like the word soggy. I think I'd, I'd go with that. It was a drizzle. It was moist. <laughs> it was, um, and we already oh, knew that Sir was taking a ten place grid penalty for an engine change. Um, Q one. Who wants to talk about the, the 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 surprise in Q one? If you can remember back to yesterday. Well, um, Danny Rick. Goodbye, Danny Rick. Failed to get out of Q one. Knocked out of. Um, he was 15th, then he got knocked down to 16th by Carlos Sainz, which is just rubbing salt in the wounds because Sainz was starting last anyway. It was just a kick in the teeth and Ferrari to McLaren going, <laughs> unlucky. I mean, I thought you were going to say Mazepin was the shot about, um, elimination. Well, there. Schumacher. <laughs> it, I think for me as well, I don't think anybody could have guessed that track evolution at the end of Q1. Uh, it ramped up significantly at the end of the tune of about, you know, six tenths of a second for some drivers. And, you know, Danny Rick, we already knew going into this weekend this was not going to be McLaren's strong suit. Uh, but I feel like they felt they had enough when he put in his last lap, especially with the time uh, deletions. And it was just this perfect storm of the track evolution and people getting it right at the end of Q1 that I think put Danny Rick out. I wouldn't say it was a lack of effort or even necessarily a poor performance for him. It was just Bad luck finally caught up to him in a really bad way. Yeah, I mean, G. Russ, um, George Russell, that's his new name for me. Um, he got through. That's not much of a surprise because he's missed the Saturday. Um, Yuki Sonoda, he hasn't made many Q2s, has he? He, he did crashes. go off, though. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's... <laughs> he did go off, but he did, make it, he did make it through. And as we said before, Mick Schumacher, did he equal or surpass his highest ever uh, time? In qualifying. Surpassed it by one, I think. Did he? Okay. Um, also, Giovinazzi was a bit of a surprise because he's been doing really well in qualifying recently and he was 18th, mm-hmm. which was kind of sad to see because I like Gio and he's fighting for his seat, but I think he's fighting a losing battle. I think the seat's gone. I think there's someone else pretty much uh, yeah. standing behind him. Um, okay, Q2. Uh, I mean, that was Hamilton and Bottas just doing what they do. And again, Schumacher, Matt. Schumacher hanging in there. Uh, you know, proud to see that for him. Uh, not necessarily a fan, but you kind of kind of root for him. Uh, but Botas, Hamilton, and Verstappen all just trading blows like Wilder Fury. Uh, it was a heavyweight battle. Uh, and I had no idea where it was going to go. And I don't think anybody did until even Q3 because the margins were so slim. Except for that one flyer Botas had in Q2 where he had about a what was it, Dan? Like a four tenths gap out of nowhere? Yeah, I'm not sure how he did that. And then the track kind of evolved a bit more and it was kind of cancelled out in the end. Um, also, Mick Schumacher is driving a literal tractor and he was two tenths off Q3. Like, that's amazing. Two tenths. How nothing. did that happen? I don't what know. What was he doing? Because he didn't I race don't know. very well, did he? It must, he must have put some rockets on the Haas or whatever, I don't know. But it was, it was very, very... Very impressive by him. And George didn't get out of Q2 either, but he would have done. But he went off at the last corner on his final flying lap and lost it all. I wonder if Schumacher has done the, and Haas have done the math and go, listen, we're never going to make Q3. So why don't we put just enough fuel in for Q2 to try and give themselves a fighting chance? Yeah, probably. I mean, it does show that the, the guy's got talent, right? I mean... Um, we can compare him against someone who doesn't quite easily. Um, and Schumacher is, he's impressing me each time. I think he was my driver, 
driver of the week a few races ago. Um, but it was Vettel knocked out. How do you, uh, Matt, do you want to tell us how you feel about that? Keep the vibe. No, I do not. Okay. <laughs> um, Vettel, Ocon, Russell, Schumacher and Sainz were knocked out. Um, let's go into Q3. It felt a bit like standard procedure, didn't it? I mean, who they said someone who got pole, but he didn't get pole. He, no, he was P two. I don't. I don't get the um, the whole confusion around this because this obviously happened. Can I can I spoil it? Am I safe to spoil it? I think yeah, like, Lewis set the fu- yeah. Lewis set the fastest time, followed by Bottas, followed by Verstappen, and everyone was like, "Oh, Lewis should get pole." Why is there so much confusion? It literally happened in Monza, like two races ago. But Bottas was the one that got pole, but then didn't get pole because he had the engine penalty. I think it's because on on the technicality, Hamilton gets pole position because he got the fastest time. It is then afterwards that he takes his grid place penalty because of his engine. So technically, Hamilton got pole position, but then takes his grid penalty, meaning that Bart, Bottas starts on pole, but he didn't get pole position. That doesn't go down as in history as a Bottas pole position on the record books. That's another yes, it, pole for, for Lewis. No, it goes down as Bottas's pole. Are you sure? Yes, because it would have been 102 for Hamilton. Is that correct? Yeah. And I know that because Bottas has, with that, he's tied the record for the most poles without winning a world championship with 18 poles, and it pains me. Um, But it's the same in Monza. You know, Bottas won Friday, won the sprint race, but he didn't get the pole position written down. Max got it, despite finishing third and then second. I think that's wrong. It is wrong. It is. I'll tell you what was right, though. Did anybody see the inscription Lewis Hamilton put on the pole position uh, fastest lap award? Yeah, no, but someone. I think Dan, you shared this, but I didn't look at. Sorry, mate, I didn't yeah, read it. Oh, sorry. Um, no, fine, suit yourself. <laughs> I couldn't. Well, I couldn't read it. It was too small. What did he write, Matt? It was something to the effect of, uh, you know, congratulations on a quote unquote pole hashtag one hundred two. Still a great lap, though. And then he signed it. <laughs> Uh, I think it may have even been enjoy my poll or something like that. It was it was very cheeky and probably one of the best things I've seen Sir do in a while. Well, that means that he got pole if enjoy- he was the one writing it. Two Valtteri, enjoy my poll trophy. Nice lap though. One o two tick is what he wrote on the tire. <laughs> that's that's rare banter from Lewis Hamilton, isn't it? Now nah, they they get on well. They're mates, Lewis and Valtteri. Lewis has got enough tires. I mean, I wouldn't call them mates. I don't. Think I would you'll see them in Monaco going out for dinner together. No, uh, well, you wouldn't see Dan and I going out for dinner together, but we're mates. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't see who's okay. Dan's I would not say my mate, mates. and I wouldn't be sitting Lewis out for dinner with him. Lewis has called him his best teammate ever. You're not going to see Mick and Mazepin going out for the dinner. I know why he's his best teammate ever because he obliterates him week in week out, and Botas finally got one together this week. Can't we'll say that there. this week. You can't say that this week. <laughs> I don't think Haas could afford the dinner expenses at the moment for them too, could they? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I've I, I just tried to Google in the background what is the definition of pole position, and I just found an interesting fact which I'm going to share with you. Without Googling, do any of you guys know why it is called pole position? I just really the person that starts first on the grid on Sunday. Yeah, but why is it called pole? Why is it? Not I'm pole? assuming because at one point back in the early days of racing, there was an actual pole to use as a visual reference for taking photos. What, Polish man or a, a, a pole? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. An actual... <laughs> and thank you for joining the Formula Nerds. Uh, no, an actual uh, an actual baller, a stanchion. Robert Kubica's you... just standing there taking all the photos. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, Matt, you're close. Um, it came from horse racing. So it, it refers to the fastest qualifying horse who had the fastest time. And there was a pole where the start fence was. Callum's just yawned. That's the first yawn of the podcast. Thank you. It's because we delved into horse racing. You've got to keep up tradition, haven't you? And to be fair, I mean, all you are as well, actually. You know, you're allowed to yawn on this one. We were up till, what, half six this morning? Yes, big up uh, Fury. Yeah, big up Fury. Um, what a fight. What a fight. Anyways, back to Formula One. But yes, Matt, you are right. There, there was a pole in horse racing and it transferred to motorsport. Um, so on pole position was Lewis Hamilton, who got moved down. <laughs> Have we, uh, do we agree on that? Well, he wasn't Absolutely. on pole, was he? He got he, he wasn't, yeah. He got pole. He got the yeah. fastest time, but he didn't get pole, according to the record book. That, was, that went down as Bottas' pole, so he's now on 18. Because hypothetically, Bottas started closest to the pole, yeah? Also, so, funny, I just uh, want to say something. Sorry, Dan. This is so wrong because, in theory, Mazepin could qualify in 20th and the 19 people above him could all take engine penalties, meaning Mazepin gets pole, but he qualified 20th. So, theoretically, that could happen. Yep. That that isn't right. I was feeling Bottas lost his pole in Monza. I was was very unhappy. I thought, this isn't fair. I still think it's so wrong. That should just be... You've got the fastest time. You get that pole position. It goes down on your record. You get the tyre. And I'm baffled by that, actually. I'm, I'm in the so press conference. Because that. that's an empty next... victory. That's a hollow victory. That's like winning the race and then getting a five-second penalty in second place being bumped up. That's the same thing. You weren't saying this when it was Bottas that lost out. Um, in the post-qualifying press conference, though, Lewis, Max and Bottas all agreed that it was stupid. Like Max and Bottas were like, yeah, that's not right. That's Lewis's pole. Um, I don't know how there was that much confusion after the same thing happened to Bottas, but whatever. Um, also, the best lap time from the race last year was beaten in FP1 uh, due to how crap the surface was last year. It was just immediately beaten as soon as they came out of the pits for the first time because there was actually grip this year and they could put their right foot down, which was kind of crazy. Unless you had slicks on. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, talking of grid penalties, do you remember... Uh, 2015 Belgian Grand Prix off the top of your head do you remember? no of course you don't but you will remember it because McLaren got a 105 place grid penalty for that race so technically they should have started about what 10 laps oh, that's behind. when they did the stupid stuff though <laughs> it was just madness grid penalties really annoy me but I was thinking about this earlier do you guys think that actually it's making it a bit more interesting this year because at some point, pretty much every driver is going to have to take a grid penalty for a new engine. So it's almost like the wild card, isn't it? You see, normally I'd say, yeah, it's really making it more interesting. But this year, I love seeing Max and Lewis on the front row next to each other because there's always going to be a scrap into turn one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not enjoying that bit because they don't finish the bloody race. See, I am because I can, I can relax. But yeah, it, it, it gives a nice dynamic with one charging through from the back. It's almost a steward-induced reverse grid sometimes. Uh, and I like seeing how, you know, yes, yeah, seeing Max and Lewis side-by-side side is a lot of fun. But it's also fun to watch them come through the pack and do a split strategy between them because there is so much cause and reaction between them. So to see them both excel and be there at the end is kind of fun for me. Yeah, agreed. So uh, Bottas hasn't taken a penalty yet, has he? Or An Paris. engine penalty? yeah. 
Are you having a laugh? I can't remember. It's all, it's all he's done for the last five races. Take engine oh. penalties. He started last in Monza, last in Russia after he took some stupid penalty. He's quite oh, taking on the race before. Shit. Sorry, mate. No. <laughs> he took us. He's all he's done for the last month. Take bloody engine penalties. He's got enough engines to last in the next five years. Okay. Rant over. You mean he has enough engines to last Nick DeVries for the next five years because he won't be there? <laughs> no, he'll be there. Nick DeVries isn't in F1. That was the worst example you could have used. You should have no, said George say- Russell. Well, yeah, I, I actually forgot who it was, so now we both look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Formula Nerds. Nick DeVries is in Mercedes next year. Busted. Busted. Breaking Busted. news. You heard it here first. <laughs> Matt had a complete brain fart then. I actually saw it on his face when he said Nick DeVries. He, he, was, he knew he wasn't right when he said it, but he was just going with it. But I said it with such conviction. <laughs> I thought I'd missed some news. Oh, dear. I thought you were referring to the alpha seat, to be honest. I thought you were going what Jay would say and be like, Nick DeVries is going to get the seat. I love Nick DeVries, but no. Mm, we'll get to that. Shall we talk about the race, or is there anything pre-race that you would like to talk about? Uh, I think definitely for me, uh, during Dan's podcast, actually, uh, I made the bold claim that Pierre Gasly would not see the back of a Ferrari all weekend. And it's just worth mentioning, Charles Leclerc, has a 100% confirmed fetish for P4 because that lap he dropped at the end of qualifying, uh, I don't think anybody even on the Ferrari pit wall saw saw coming, but uh, it's worth noting that Charles and Pierre both had incredible Q3 performances that I think got overshadowed by all the, did he get pole or not? He was less than a tenth behind, no, just over a tenth behind Max, which is impressive given that Ferrari's not very good this year. Uh, Also, Sergio Perez was seventh, which isn't great given he's in arguably the fastest car on the grid. He's really struggled in qualifying all year and doesn't seem to have that one. Yeah, we spoke about that a bit. He's doing a bit of an Albon, not quite as as much as Albon. But, um, I mean, Cal, you're the resident Red Bull fan. Um, I mean, me and Matt are are, are close as well since we went to Red Bull HQ. However, um, we need to talk about that. Um, Cal, what what do you think of Perez at the moment? Uh, Qualifying, I completely agree. I think he's, he's not quite found the pace yet of that car. But having said that, that car was built based around Max Verstappen's abilities, who is literally a knife-edge driver. And I don't think many other people could get in the car and set qualifying pace like he does. Um, So there's always that excuse, and I feel like they should have given Albon a little bit more time on that front. But in the race pace, he's, especially the last couple of weeks, he's he's really improved. And I think um, he, he deserves the seat next season. I'm glad he's got it. Mm, this could be a whole podcast to be honest um but every pole position it's a three-way fight for pole you're never talking about a four-way fight for pole ever it's always three-way so well, you, wasn't it? you had leclerc you just said leclerc was in the mix okay well out of the, the, the top four <laughs> it's yeah. always a three well the top four has actually got lando in it but the top four out of mercedes and rebel it's always a three-way fight for pole Perez is never mm. in that fight I will just say this to kind of put things in context. Uh, you know, the qualifying head-to-head for Max Verstappen and Alex Albon last year, Max Verstappen blanked him 17 to nothing. Uh, not saying that that is going to be replicated this year. Uh, 
because here's always favorite term. I don't have those numbers in front of me, and I can't remember if uh, <laughs> can't remember who's if, driving for Mercedes next year. <laughs> right, we're not exactly <laughs> operating at optimum efficiency. However, uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see, even with four more races. I think that points disparity is going to be a lot closer to the Albon spread than we initially thought. Uh, I definitely overestimated what I thought. Checo would be able to do because he did have more time and familiarity and input on that racing point. Yeah. So I think we do give him that next year to build more. Uh, however, it's looking like it's training more towards the, the uh, curse of the RB2 continues. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I hadn't given it much thought on the, the qualifying front on how that would go, but I'd be very, very, very surprised especially with the, the races coming up, probably suiting the Red Bull a little bit more. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if Perez actually out-qualified Verstappen. Um, Ollie, you shut your head then. Do you not think the... the no, Bull... you, yeah, you said this earlier when we were watching the race. You said uh, that the US Grand Prix is always a Red Bull track. Not necessarily a Red Bull track. I said Max Verstappen goes well at that track. Yeah, I'd say Coach is a Mercedes track. Well, I, I always think of Lewis, I can't, I think he's bloody won. How many times has he won in Kota? That's the only reason I thought I didn't Yeah, no, Lewis, Lewis has obviously had a great time there, but I think Max always does well there. And it's, it's, it's good for both the Mercedes and the Red Bull in different aspects because obviously you've got your high-speed straights, but then you've also got very, very high G-force turns, which suits the Red Bull more. So it depends on the which sector you're in and how you look at it. I mean, we can cut Perez a little bit of slack this year, but he doesn't get any next year. Well, also, if we look at Perez this year, he's got to win. That's something that Albon, you know, couldn't really claim. And he's within, on average, on average, three grid places of Max Verstappen in the qualifying results. Uh, They're averaging, uh, Sergio's like 4.5 is his average, and Max Verstappen's is second, as we know. So he's, he's overall better, but I still think they need more improvement to be able to justify releasing Albon and bringing on Checo at this point. That's just kind of where my head's at with it. Mm. I almost feel, sorry, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I feel like Redville have slightly changed their way of thinking about things because they were very cutthroat. And they've re-signed Sonoda for next year and they've re-signed Perez for next year, both of whom you could say are arguably underperforming. So maybe they're just changing their way of thinking slightly to give people slightly longer. I think that is purely because I don't think they're uh, they're um, not being cutthroat anymore. I think from next season you'll see it happen again. I think it's purely because of the cars changing so dramatically. They don't want new people in the teams for those new cars. Um, I know Mercedes are having George Russell, but that's a bit different. You know, he's been in the Mercedes Academy for years now, and he's driven that car before. He understands how Mercedes work. Other teams like you know Bottas going to Alpha and stuff like that, they're going to struggle. Because it's a new car with a new guy in the team. That's two things to think about straight away. And I think that's what Red Bull have been smart on. They've kept the drivers. Even if they're underperforming, they've kept them because they know they've got an advantage over anyone else coming in straight away. How much they're of a... Um, oh, sorry, Dan. I was, I was just going to ask. How, oh, go on. <laughs> it's a quick question. How much influence did Red Bull have on getting Albon back into F1 next year? All of it. They weren't pushing for it. He wouldn't be in there. Nick DeFries would be in there. I still think Mercedes have let Nick DeFries down. I think Toto Wolff's let Nick DeFries down by not giving him that seat. But I, I agree. I agree. I think on, from a Williams point of view, they've got to be happy with having a guy coming in who's got experience. And um, 
you know, Albon isn't a bad driver. He's not slow. That Red Bull is a very difficult car to drive. Um, he needed more experience before pe being put into that team. And I think that's where Red Bull messed up. Not letting him go, that was the right move. But I think putting him in too early was the, was the bad move. I, I think he'll do well at Williams, especially if they can carry on improving as they have done this season. I think the key reason I would take Alexander Albon over Nick DeVries, they are both very talented drivers. It comes down to butt and F1 seat. Alex Albon's had that, Nick DeVries hasn't. So when you're in a new iteration of a car, you need somebody that has a previous database, you know, a data on previous entry uh, to kind of figure out how to shift the target and get things where it needs to be, where it feels right, rather than trying to compare it to different series and different strategies and feelings that would come from Formula E with Nick DeVries. Uh, it's simple experience, not to say better or worse, in my opinion. I would, I would say Albon is probably a better signing than Nick DeVries for Williams, but I feel that if Mercedes had said Nick DeVries is going in that seat, Albon go away, you, you don't, Williams would have had to accept that. They're a Mercedes customer team, and they haven't accepted that. So I kind of do feel like Nick DeVries should be a bit angry at Churchill Wolf. Uh, what I was going to say earlier for Oli asked this question, was if you say AlphaTauri have kept Sonoda because the new regulations and he's had a year with the car, yes. Does a year with the car that's going to be the same outweigh 10 years in Formula One? He's, he's way less experienced, but yes, it's the same car. But the amount of experience Bottas brings surely outweighs one just because it's the same car. Are you talking Surely. about Sonoda there? Was that the question related if you get, to Sonoda? If you get what I mean. Yeah, because you were like, you said that, well, not you, but all of you said AlphaTauri kept Sonoda because he brings stability for the next year with the new regulations. Mm. No, I, surely I, hiring someone super experienced is still better. They're keeping, well, I would have thought they're keeping Sonoda because he's an incredible driver. He's shown that all through his career. He just hasn't quite got to show it in F1 yet. He's struggling. Um, Matt, you're, you, you're looking very confused at me right now. No, uh, we'll, we'll call this look pensive. Uh, I almost wonder if it could be a subtle nod. We know that Honda and Red Bull are not continuing the F1 engine partnership going for, forward. However, they have announced partnership going forward in other series. So I wonder if that may have been a consideration in the contractual side of things. And that if we're going to negate the F1 side of things on your engine supplying, you need to give us something back. And it's kind of a quid pro quo exchange. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, I can understand that honoring that relationship with Honda because you you don't just cut ties and run after a historic run like they've had. No, and uh, actually, talking about that, what did we think of the Red Bull livery this weekend? It was nice. Oh, stunning. Stunning. Um, I think... You know what? I want it for the rest of the season. I do. I think it's stunning. I, obviously, I love the classic Red Bull livery, but this one... I was when they said they were going to do something with it. I was like, "Oh God, here we go! It's going to be rubbish." But it, it wasn't. It, you know, I was thinking, "Oh God, we're going to get something like the Star Wars one again." Um, but no, it was fantastic. No, to be fair to Red Bull, they always seem to get one-off liveries absolutely spot on, like McLaren did with the Golf McLaren. But the Red Bull livery looks so much better in person than it does on TV. The normal one. I know that Verstappen crashed before he got to you at Silverstone, Cal, so you wouldn't have seen that. Um, but it is so much brighter in person than it is on TV. So, so um, yeah, I, I, I'm still glad they kept they keep the blue one, but the white one was beautiful. 
what war is about to commence on this podcast there. Um, yeah, I mean, all I'll say to that is, you know, the, the results of this race today won't spoil for the listeners. You know, that's the final time we're ever going to see that happen. So, I would get to I see Verstappen at Silverstone next year. That's fine. But, you know, you will get to see what happens. But I haven't forgotten our little bet. Again. I haven't yeah. forgotten our little bet going on about Bottas in the top five. So you forgot yeah. though the bet that you're going to do a shoey on this podcast, which we'll get to in a bit. No, I'm going to do that. Just I'm going to do it tomorrow when okay. I've got more shoes. Right, cool. Because <laughs> I have one pair at the moment. <laughs> well, that that should be your forfeit. You're using your only shoe. Anyway. Is that not the most broke college kid thing you've ever heard in your life? I've only got one <laughs> pair of shoes and I need them tomorrow. It's all right. I've got two now. I've got two now. So I'll do it tomorrow. I just don't have anything to a day. Two pairs. For only two pairs a day, you two can shoe a uni child so he can do a shoey. Okay, so we're now going to talk about the race because that's why we're here today. Um, That's the title of this podcast, so we should probably talk about it. But before we do, um, I just hinted that me and Matt are now Red Bull fans. Um, Matt, I'm going to ask you to just share a little story um, of us and our experience (laughs) at Red Bull Racing a few weeks ago. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, first off, thank you to Revol for the opportunity. Uh, but they didn't uh, have a choice, though. <laughs> well, no, they did. They really didn't. Uh, the very basic version is, you know, being an American, it's very hard for me to get around. Uh, you know, the storied franchises and places of import in F one. So Ollie and I, when I flew out for his wedding, decided to take an F one day. Uh, went to Silverstone, uh, met a very lovely lady there who was a track marshal who allowed us to view some of the track day activities and take some photographs. Uh, I don't recall her name, but if she's listening, thank you again from the good-looking fat yank. Uh, then we went on the F1 team tours down in Milton Keynes, just trying to see the facilities, just so I could you know be in that realm, if you will. Uh, so, of course, Mercedes looked like we were breaking into a paramilitary complex with all the security, but it was still cool. Uh, Aston Martin, I love you, but it's a good thing you're building the new factory because right now it looks like the old RAF air traffic control tower from when Silverstone was a track. I guarantee you that place had yellow shag, pal- shag pile carpeting and wood paneling at some point. Uh, yeah, and Aston Martin, please can you lower the curbs around the facilities because it took my front <laughs> bumper off when I pulled up on it. So, yeah, if you can sort that out, please. Also, I was, on a complete aside, I'm still not convinced that, that was not Matt Bishop. We saw in that at Aston Martin. He didn't wave back at me. So I'm upset about that. Sure. But this, we, Yeah, but we go through all this, and we went to the Red Bull facility and pulled in on the first exit. And all you'd been there before, and you said something to the tune of, uh, I don't really know if we should be here. Uh, so we went around to the other side. And me being the brash American that I am, we pulled in, and I was like, eh, we shouldn't go in here, man. There's a guy in the guard shack over here. And I literally told Ollie, well, you could stay here then and grabbed my mask and just walked onto their campus. Not, uh, not right, wrong ski mask, by the way. His, his no, mask. my COVID mask. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing the Aston Martin merch, uh, no less, by the way. That was a Sebastian Vettel hat. Uh, long story short, we walked through. This was the day after the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. Uh, got to see uh, the lorry. Got to see the forklift. Did not get to see the actual car, but uh, we knew where it was. I just didn't want to get tased or you know charged with anything. And as we were turning around to leave, we looked across the parking lot, and the doors to reception at Red Bull were wide open. And <laughs> I remember the sign said visitor parking, and it got my brain working. And I looked at Ollie and said, I'm going in there. And Ollie... <laughs> I said it's an invited visitor, Matt, not just... Um, it's, not a, it's not a gallery. <laughs> yeah, and I... 
I remember looking at Ollie and saying, the worst thing they can do is say no. And Ollie's immediate response was, no, the worst thing they could do is arrest you. But, you know, when in Rome slash Milton Keynes. Long story short, walked in and very humbly asked the lady behind the desk, said, excuse me, ma'am, I don't even know if I'm allowed to be here. Uh, I'm an American F1 fan, die hard, have come all the way across for a friend's wedding and didn't find any information about if your factory tours are closed, which I'm fairly certain they're no longer doing those because of COVID. And they're two and a half grand when they are open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically the receptionist there was extremely lovely, love, lovely, lovely. And told me you're more than welcome to be here. Uh, If you have any questions, let me know. Stay in this area. Abide by the rules. They were very, very accommodating. Uh, They actually had the trophies from Zanvoort the day before. Their reception were kind enough to let us take a photo with them. They took a photo of Ollie and I in front of all of their trophies, which is a very, very impressive display. Uh, It was kind of humbling for me because, A, Red Bull, as we've – I've always thought are the ones that recognize the fans import in F1 the most more than any team. So it was really cool to see that followed up on at the corporate level. The other point I'll make on that is the receptionist gave me absolute hell for having a Sebastian Vettel hat on. You deserved and it. You had I did. Martin hat on in the I did, but in the same breath, he's the only reason they have four World Drivers Championships right now. And it was just, <laughs> it was an incredible experience and, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't know if I should have been there, but I appreciate and thank them for the opportunity and for Ollie chauffeuring me all the way down there to make it possible. It was a, it was a wonderful experience. So when Red Bull now get however many people listen <laughs> to this podcast to say, to, this no, tomorrow, <laughs> it's Matt to blame. Yeah, yeah, but I think I don't know if they'll extradite me for <laughs> bad tourist info. <laughs> So on the way um, back to Manchester, me and Matt uh, made a made a song together called uh, "We Are Red Bull Fans" <laughs> because they were lovely. They were the only ones who took the time. All of the other teams saw us, you know, hanging around, looking dodgy. Um, these guys let us in, so you know, thank you to Red Bull. It was lovely, and I, I hate telling this story because the look on Callum's face. Callum, what? <laughs> he doesn't look thrilled. No, he wasn't. I'm not thrilled. And I shouted at you because I was waiting at your house when you got back and I shouted at both of you. Mm. I'm still not happy about it. Well, for the listeners, Cal was supposed to be with us on this day and unfortunately circumstances changed. But, uh, you know, for next time, he knows. When with Matt, you can get in anywhere. (laughs) And it's not his looks, I'll tell you that. I'm going to tell Matt to knock on his door. (laughs) So let's take a short pause and talk about the race. Some places are saying Valtteri Bottas dominated the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, now, others don't agree with that. Uh, even David Coulthard said it on the, on the uh, post-race driver interview. He said, well, you didn't dominate that, or to that effect. Um, it's going to probably be about half hour of Dan saying he's in love with Bottas. So before he does, oh. Cal. I just want to say... He, he was. He was dominant. Like, David Coulthard was talking out of his arse. Um, well, we see the, the, his arse the, more, than, more than enough at the moment. Yeah, it? his Instagram is very strange. Um, <laughs> not as nice as, wouldn't that be something as, he and Valtteri could bond over? It's not that's as nice as Bottas is. I prefer Bottas's. Oh, that's a different topic, though. But anyway, he was dominant because he pretty much led from start to finish. Um, it's as simple as that. He'd have got past Leclerc. Oh, no, he did get past Leclerc and Leclerc had to pick. He did. 
Um, so even when Ferrari thought they had them on the strategy, he still went past them anyway. He, he was the fastest car all day. And there's there's no there's no argument. He was dominant. And I hate to say that, especially with Dan on the podcast. I Thank never thought listening. I'd have to do a podcast where Dan was a winner. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, no, 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 Dan, no, 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 go no, on. No. Let, no, let us know see, what you think. I have... He was he was dominant, but it wasn't his most dominant weekend. Like uh, Carol's, like I'm I'm actually saying the stuff that wasn't good here. Ollie's taken his headphones off and walked off, so he doesn't know this. But he's had more dominant weekends. If you look at Australia 2019, Japan 2019, I'd say they were both more dominant weekends than this weekend. The win was in question at some points. In the end, it looks very dominant because it didn't pan out that way. But there were times where. I was here thinking he might not win this. Um, Matt, would you call it dominant? Definitely not. Uh, was it a solid performance? Absolutely. But dominant is not the word I would use. It was survival and it was well judged. Uh, the reason I say that is dominant to me is something like finishing the race on three flipping tires at the end. Yeah, I mean, I Silverstone. No, that's that's of, that's extreme luck, is what that is. Skill. I would, luck. I would, I would almost say that this weekend was the same thing for Valtteri Bottas. Uh, luck. You would say this weekend was luck. I will because he has How? had all this time. He has had all this time to even put together, Ollie's shocked. <laughs> sorry about that. The reason I say that is he has had all this time to do this. He's cons- consistently there in qualifying. He's consistently there in the race, but he's never been not never rarely able to put them both together. The reason I will say it is luck as well, and that I do not believe that Valtteri Bottas could be stemmed as dominant, is, Dan, how many wins does Valtteri Bottas have after his time in Mercedes? Tim. How many? Uh, it should ro- be uh-uh. about 15 if it wasn't for Jen. But it's not. But it's not. But it's not. So here's my other question to you. How many did Nico Rosberg have in three seasons with Mercedes? I don't know or care. I know. 20. Too many. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> 20. <laughs> and that just tells me that Valtteri Bottas, is he capable of doing a great yeah, qualifying? That doesn't mean yes. luck. Is he, is he capable of having a great race? Yes. Valtteri Bottas is very rarely capable of putting both together. When he does, he's hard to beat. I won't say dominant. It's okay. not luck, though. Okay, all right. Moving on Nothing from about luck. today was luck. Okay, luck is luck. Perez's win in Azerbaijan when Max's tyre blew out. That was luck. This was not luck. Okay, so... Technically, Lewis Hamilton should have been on pole. So that would have been put Bottas in P2, right? Yes. Um, that didn't happen. And the thing is here, F1 fans, is you can you can say theoretically this should have happened, that should have happened. It, what happened, happened, right? You, you can say all day long, he should have done this or he could have done that, he didn't. The one thing, let's just talk about the, the start, because me and Cal were shocked watching this. Where was Verstappen in turn one? Behind Bottas. Yeah, why? Uh, well, can, I, can I speak here? <clears throat> I think it's my turn now. Cal, you've just been holding up notes saying that we're wrong most of the last five minutes. So it, over to you. So. Yeah, no. Um, Matt was completely right on the whole um, Mercedes era of Bottas dominance. That, that He's not been dominant at all the whole time. Was he dominant <laughs> the whole weekend this weekend? No. But he was dominant today on the race. That was the original question. And he was dominant today. That's that's what the question was. Verstappen uh, was obviously behind Bottas at the start. Bottas just drove away. Um, Verstappen had no pace today at all. He openly said that he was nursing the tyres. 
he was trying to keep awake. Um, it wasn't his greatest race, but he did what he needed to do. And I think Mercedes hit the nail on the head with the, the, the setup of the car. They went for a, a higher downforce setup than they usually would go for. Um, and obviously with the power unit they've got, they were able to sacrifice a little bit of straight line speed. And it, it was the perfect combo today for them because they managed to nurse the tyres and drive quickly at the same time. And that's all they needed to do. They had different setups on the two cars, though. Like they were, they were slightly different. I can't remember which way around they had it, but obviously Bottas's was was slightly stronger. Hamilton and that's had the thing more with downforce. yeah, that way around. But mm-hmm. Bottas's obviously worked slightly better. But the thing with Bottas is he either has rocket starts or they're crap. There's no like average start for Bottas. It's either bowling the ball best start as one, on, as one option as well. Yeah, it's either the best start on the field or he loses about six places. Like he 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 doesn't ever just sort of maintain second. Mm. He'd either get first or be eighth. Matt, um, did, um, did, so, yeah. did did Verstappen lose the win in turn one? What do you think? No, I don't think so. Uh, which actually that ties in beautifully to my next point. Thank you for that, Ollie. Uh, Max like Verstappen, each other, isn't it? Yeah, we're, our, our uh, nonverbal communication is off the charts right now. Max Verstappen had the ninth fastest lap of this race. Uh, he dropped a one thirty two point seven five nine. Valtteri Bottas' his fastest lap, fastest lap in the race. I will grant you, Dan. Oh yeah, was a one thirty point four three two. However, who was the second fastest? Um, was it Charles? No, no, no. It was someone that Science. you wouldn't have expected. Was it Gasly? It was signs with a 131.92. There's two points I want to make on this. Number one, yes, that is a one and a half second difference. I I will grant you that. However, it's just just luck, just, really, isn't it? It is, and yep. I will say, what lap did he do it on, Dan? Lap 58. He did it at the, the end. Third from last. No, oh, lap 58. It? I swear he did it on the third from last. His fastest. He may have secured fastest lap, but his overall fastest lap. Oh, okay. Was lap fifty eight. I don't care. He got it. He did get it. However, I think it's this today. Botas is a decent driver. I will not use the word dominant. He still had the shutter in his start. He did not get everything right. He managed to judge it beautifully. And I think today shows these timing charts on the fastest lap. The top three were Valtteri, Carlos, then Lando. And we knew this was a struggling weekend for McLaren. So he's still within two seconds. Of Lando, that just that doesn't strike me as dominant when that car is known to struggle at this track. Sorry, Bottas is the only man on the grid who could lead from lights out to checkered flag, and someone goes, "No, he had a shattered start, not but a dominant he weekend." He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He's the, he didn't. Okay, except except the like a few laps Leclerc led, but it was Leclerc led. It was still dominant, and it's uh, Bottas. It, no, is it's the only driver. Every time you get a triple start, no. would be pointed out. No, you don't. Just because you... And this I prefer it when really I dumb. host the podcast. No, no one argues with This you. is going to sound real dumb. Uh, no, I'm, I'm giving that caveat now. Just because you have the fastest lap... I'm not even going to say it out loud. It's not dominant. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Paul. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was it was good. He had a great weekend. He had a fantastic just weekend. Just because he got every but point he could. He, but why can he not do that consistently? We all know that, yes, this is the result. What happens if Lewis Hamilton does not get that penalty? Why can he not do this week in, week out if he's quote-unquote dominant? Okay, right. This is We're not, not saying Bottas. he's dominant Hold week on. in, week out. This is not, he's this dominant is not this week. Uh, fan show podcast or the Bottas Disappreciation Society. Um, just reflecting back on, well, we could start with turn one 
Last time they Have we were actually there. said Bottas won the race? We never actually said that. He won the race. What I will say is 12 months ago, I'm not sure if it's exactly 12 months ago, but whenever we were last in Turkey, similar conditions. Okay, the track was different in terms of um, the, the development of it, but Bottas didn't really do very well. So what I will say is <laughs> Tur- right he did better in turn one this time. He did, well, all through the race. He didn't spin it. Um... I wouldn't say it was dominant. I would say it was a managed victory. He knew what he was doing all the way through. He didn't push it. He 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 knew what he was doing. It was, um, I don't need to go and finish a minute ahead because I remember what happened last year, last time I was here. Um, he was about 10 seconds ahead, which is decent though. But this does show he's looked at Turkey last year and gone, right, that was a disaster. And then he's worked his absolute arse off on the simulator to make sure that didn't happen again. I'm not and sure there's any... Off simulator that could prepare you for turkey if i'm honest he was on it in the week we saw it all over his social media he was on it and it worked mm, yeah but th- let's be honest with tires and things like that the teams had no idea how how, how the cars were going to perform uh, how the track was going to develop okay he, he learned how to enter turn one i'll give him that the simulator did teach him that um, that's a simulator he just didn't have cars around him this time and actually decided which way to, to go. go in a straight line yeah um hamilton obviously didn't have a great start he was pretty chilled um matt do you want to talk a bit about ferrari this race i think it was it was an emotional bloody journey this race for ferrari it was it, it was a roller coaster uh in that i being the borderline intelligent <laughs> F1 fan that I am, uh, you know, I knew that pace was not sustainable. Charles Leclerc at front with those tires that old on the intermediates at the end. But I did give in to hope momentarily. Uh, Carlos Sainz, driver of the day, charging all the way up the field. Uh, I mean, I'd have no qualms with that drive from him at all. Uh, finished eighth, I believe, in that. Charles Leclerc, a very, very managed <laughs> P4 uh, but that all comes down to Saturday again for him. I think it's why he was able to stay there. There weren't a lot of great overtaking opportunities, and the Ferrari was quick on the straights today. Uh, good result from them. They that helps them in their race against McLaren and the constructors because, unfortunately, Danny Rick had a horrible, horrible weekend. But, uh, yeah, a, a, a surprisingly positive result for Ferrari this weekend. Yeah, so Ferrari were good. Aston Martin, nah. Daniel Ricciardo, let's say McLaren. It was a very up and down race for him. I mean, he he went into, you know, onto fresh inters pretty early on. He was the first one to do it. And it looked like he had just chucked 25 seconds in the bin, didn't it? I mean, Cal, you were, you were, you were at the time saying, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, I think it was a gamble on his part. I think he thought, right, tyres are dropping off for me, they're going to drop off for everyone else. Um, they did drop off, but then they sort of came back. They, they they evolved with the track. As the track got a little bit drier, they improved and they lasted a little bit longer. Um, obviously, McLaren took that gamble to change him early just in case. Um, but towards the end of the race, his his tyres improved enough for him to pick up a few places but I think he, he just pitted too early. If he'd have left it another, even just five laps, I think he'd have held on to a couple more positions, maybe even broke into the points. But again, that, that this is what happens when you take a gamble. We saw it with Seb going onto the slicks. Mm. It, it's it's Danny, a gamble. Again. And you've, got, you've got to try it sometimes. You, you've got to try it. Danny, di- Danny didn't pit again, no. He mm. pitted them once. And I think that was the issue for him. He, he, he bit the bullet too soon. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I he had a, you know, he had an all right result in the end. I mean, so, um, did that's, just talking on tyres here because this was pretty much the theme of the race. I mean, there, you know, there wasn't much action on the field. It was tyres and who's going to blink first? It was Danny Rick, and it was a bad move. But um, have you ever seen a race where a driver has not changed their tyres once? Now, Crofty it's said the, on the broadcast, the flags. on no. the red flag, they actually changed the tyres. But have we ever seen a race where no one changed their tyres? Sorry, I, I'm sure, someone didn't change their tyres. I'm question. sure it would have happened at some point in time, but not recently in my memory. Um, but I'm pretty sure at some point there would have been a time where someone's managed to fin finish a race without changing tyres. Um, but... You know, that, that's the gamble you take, isn't it? You've got 58 laps of wet racing. You, you have that option to not change your tyres. Um, mm. that, that was a gamble in itself, because I think it was Ocon who, who finished the race with, without changing his tyres. But there were some teams who didn't even know that they could keep the same tyres all the way through. I can't remember yeah. who it was, but there, there was I a mean, radio conversation. Alfa Romeo was a team that couldn't remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. You've got, you've got to bear in mind as well for Ocon. He, he started 12. Just go in. He started 12th and I'm pretty sure he finished 10th. So, mm -hmm. in a way, that gamble paid off because he picked up two places and got himself a point. But, you know, for other drivers, that wouldn't have worked. They might not have managed it quite as well. I think the tyre situation is purely dependent on the driver and how the car treats the tyres, isn't it? It's unique to each team and driver. So, I do remember I mean, a Russian Grand Prix where a driver pitted on lap one and finished the race on those tyres. That must have happened in Monaco as well, because Monaco's really low deg. But it's so rare that that would actually be possible, because like the the inters and the track just worked perfectly with each other. And so as the inters wore off, the track got a bit drier. That's so rare that that's ever. Well, technically, happen. Dan, if it's raining, it's possible. Yeah, but even I, the inters then would need changing if it was constant rain. Yeah, I would also say I think that might be a rare occurrence than we initially believe. Because if we look back historically, we had refueling in the pit stops. Uh, so I also don't know if that's ever happened. I'm Googling in the background and I can't find any example where it has. Um, really interesting. And Mario Sola, our friend of the show, we speak to him very regularly, don't we? We um, interview him a lot for our uh, website, FormulaNose.com. Sorry, Dan? I said best friends, we Charlotte Mario. Um, <laughs> did you see what he said uh, in the interview after the race about this situation? Cal? Yeah, yes, he, he said that he would have advised, you know, teams not to push all the way to the end. In his words, it was becoming dangerous. And I believe he either told his engineers to advise the teams to start changing tyres or he was talking with his engineers about maybe having that conversation. I don't know for definite whether they told teams or not to change tyres. But he was definitely saying it, it was becoming dangerous. But he understands that in a race situation, you do what you do, whatever you think is best. And he can't force people to change tyres. But his advice would have been to change. It so. seems Mario Soda doesn't know when they're going to blow up, but he's very concerned when they don't. Did uh, you see Matt Ocon's tyres though? It was it was gone. Mm. Well, also almost all of them were worn down to slicks. I'd be very curious to know, and I know this is information that Pirelli will never divulge. But I'm curious what the correlation to the generic slick compounds are, the C3, C4, C5, of a worn down intermediate tire. Because 
they held on very, very well past what they thought was capable. I remember about lap 40, uh, they were saying snippets from Mario Zola, this, this is the maximum life of this tire. It can't go any further. And we essentially extended it by 50% past that in some cases. So uh, it's a very intriguing tire, and it's so rarely used that I think we underestimate the level of engineering and development that go into them. But it's it's just a cool little wrinkle to throw into the strategy that I think that showed today because, as we were talking about, even Alfa Romeo didn't know, can we do this? Is this legal? So it was kind of cool to watch that play out for me from a uh, techno nerd side of things. I've known you a while, and I never knew you were a techno nerd. Shout out to Pendulum, drum and bass. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Dan. I guess the main difference would be the overheating. Like Inters would just boil as soon as it gets a bit dry, and that would be the main difference between the slicks. I have found the answer. The last race won without making a pit stop was 1997 Mikasala in the wet. Where's the wet? Where? I think Monaco would be I think Monaco would be physically possible to do without a pit stop. Good call, Cal. But, but um, it's never wet, so. But even in dry, but that's against the rules. Okay, so th- this this leads us on a lovely jubbly onto um, probably what was the whole talking point of this race other than Bottas winning, um, which is Lewis Hamilton and his pit stops. Now, uh, his team called him in and he said, nah, bruv. And he stayed out for another, what, seven, eight laps, was it? Give or take. Um what what was what was all this about? Now, Dan, you you I don't think you're a Mercedes fan. Um, I'm not sure what you are, other than a Bottas fan. But what what did you think on um, what did you think on uh, Lewis Hamilton's? Uh, and I want a fair opinion, please, not a Bottas fan opinion. What did you think um, on that whole situation? I don't know if I'm a Mercedes fan. I'd rather Lewis win the championship than Max. I'm rooting for Lewis over Max this year. Um, but and I'll be wanting Lewis to win the championship next year, assuming that Mercedes are the only team that can fight for it. Um, what was the question? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Lewis... Hmm. Mercedes were right to call him in when they did the first time, evidently. <laughs> like, it, it, And he didn't trust the team. It's the same in Sochi. He didn't trust the team. He then came in late and got away with it. He Exactly the same thing this week. He didn't trust the team, eventually listened to them, but this week it was too late. If he trusted the team in the first place, he would have been fine. Yeah, the team have this overriding view of what's going on. And um, Crofty, is it Crofty? I think it was Crofty. He said, no, Jensen, Nico, Brundle, one of them. They said that when the track's drying, it's up to the driver when they want uh, slicks. When the track's getting wetter, you need to listen to the team because they've got a lot more data. Slicks Mm. was never a question in this race. The, 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 The team aren't in the car. Matt, what would you say on this? I would say that, A, uh, it's very easy for us here and now to judge this decision. We have to view it through the lens of in the moment in a race. What I will say is that hopefully Mercedes, when they made that call to pit him that Lewis ignored, they were looking at that graining issue that we all know the intermediates have when you first put them on. You get a couple good laps, it grains, then it goes away and you're fine. I think what they were doing was adjusting fire to account for that, but Lewis was so comfortable with the tires he had, he didn't want to take that risk. So it was a, 
they probably had the right data and may not have communicated it in the proper way to dissuade Lewis from his plan of action. Because, as Dan said, he has been right in the past. So it's the burden of proof, once again, if I've used that phrase before in this show, they had to prove and explain why it was the right call to bring him in. I don't feel they did that in the comms that I heard. No, I totally agree with you. And, and the thing is, he was just behind Leclerc at that time um, when they first called him in. You, if, if, if you feel your tyres are fine, you're keeping up with him. You're not going to pit. Why would you? Um, I, I don't blame Lewis's decision there. I feel, actually, Matt, you've, actually, you've hit the nail on the head. The team didn't communicate it properly. Um, and I think, Cal, you agreed with me on this. They shouldn't have stopped when they did. They should have either made him pit at that point or gone to the end. Um, it it didn't my, really work out very well, did it? In my opinion, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think you could blame both the team and Hamilton at the same time. I think if Hamilton listened to his team, he'd be on the podium. His tyres would have gone through the grain in stage and he would have made up the time. But then at the same time, if the team had just let Hamilton crack on, um, there wasn't enough time at the end of the race to go through that graining stage and really make any impact on the standing order, he should have stayed out on those intermediates once he committed to staying out and finished the race on them. He probably would have ended up on the podium. Either way, if they'd have made a decision and stuck to it rather than sort of meeting in the middle, he'd have been on the podium, in my opinion. And I get where the team are coming from when they listen to him because it's Lewis Hamilton. He's got unparalleled experience and know-how you've got to sort of listen to that driver. You can't sort of say, no, we're overruling you. But then again, Lewis Hamilton needs to learn, even with all of his years of experience, he needs to learn to listen to his team a little bit more. Uh, all right, he's been right in the past, but today that would have helped him. His I team think, were right initially. I, th- I think, uh, again, the, 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 what the data that Lewis Hamilton is, is had is, the, is the, the whole point here because... His team has screwed him up many times, and you know he's he's gone against them and won races. So, do you think Lewis knew that he was going to lose those two places when he pitted? He he clearly trusted the team a bit too much when they they said you need to go in because he was angry as shit. Yeah, Jensen Button made this point. No, I don't think he knew that he was going to lose those two places at all. He said talking to Nasty Pinkham, he thought he might lose one. I don't think for a second he thinks he would have lost two. Otherwise, I. Don't think he would have pitted, um, but we saw already in the race Yuki Snowden in Alpha Tauri made it really hard for Lewis to pass. So surely Lewis Hamilton, the master of all things Formula One, would be able to make it hard for a car to pass him, even on dead tires. Surely. So totally agree. yes, he should have come in in the first place. Fine, he didn't. Whatever. At the point where he came in, it was too late. He had to stay out at that point. And it, it almost felt like. Lewis knew that it wasn't going to work staying out, so he just said, okay, you said pit, I'm going to pit. Um, he, he did say in the post-race interview, well, a pit stop takes 24 seconds, I knew they were 17 seconds behind, but clearly he didn't calculate that at the time, otherwise he wouldn't have been so angry about it. Yeah, um, he can't think of that at the time, he's thinking he got a million other things. Well, he can think of everything else think, at the time, can't he? I don't think he realised how close, um, who was it? It was Gasly. God. Yeah, I don't think he realised how close they were. I thought he thought, oh, I'll just be behind Leclerc and I'll pass him. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case. Matt, would you would you rather lose a P three, or uh, you know, going for the podium, or take a safe P five? 
That's ex- that's exactly how I was going to phrase that. Essentially, I would rather Sorry, lose. I, read what you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather lose a potential podium position by going for the throat, especially that late in the game, knowing those uh, pit stop time differentials, than going for the safe play, going for the safe P five. It's the old uh, "you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take" mentality. Uh, you know, once they cross that line for that graining window in the intermediates, you're committed to that. Then you don't you don't sacrifice track position to play it quote unquote safe. Otherwise, you know that amazing win in 2020 at Silverstone would have been gone away because he played it safe. Mm-hmm. I, I I think they made the wrong call at that point. Once you cross that line, now you're committed. Stick it out. Okay, so what? Who's okay? Putting it at fault, Matt. You've indicated it was the team, but. When Lewis said, no, I want to stay out, man, what are you talking about? Bono said, okay, Lewis, we'll, we'll do another lap. Was Bono too too soft on him? They were too soft because at the end of the day, uh, I feel, you know, seven-time world champion or no, you are a member of the team. So if the team are telling you this is what we need to do, they, ha- they have to drive that point home and he should cave to that. However, the team also then need to take in that driver's feedback. So if he says no, then you revert your strategy. You don't sit there and bulldog it and go, okay, well, we'll give him X number of laps and not look at the long picture to bring to let him run out the race on those tires. I think that was just almost a bulldog and stubbornness for them to say, we got to pit, we got to pit, we got to pit, rather than rolling the dice a little bit. So there, what you're saying is, and, and I think I would agree with this, is there was a bit of a management breakdown at Mercedes today. No one knew who the fuck, no one knew who the boss was. Exactly. Um, who was making the decisions, because Toto was sitting there with his arm behind his head. He wasn't doing much. Uh, Dan? So is Cal, the by th- the way. <laughs> the other thing that I'll just suggest was maybe he knew how close they were, he didn't realise how few laps were left in order to then retake them. No one's mentioned that, but maybe he thought he had a lot longer than he actually had, so he thought, oh, I'll get through the graining stage and then I'll be able to overtake them in the second phase of the tyre. He was he didn't have enough laps to get through the graining stage. Cal, mm. what do you make of this? In, in that sense, then, it's either poor awareness from the driver or poor communication from the team. At either end of that point, he should know which drivers are near him, at all times, and he should know what lap he's on, 100%. If he doesn't know either of those two things, when that decision is being made as the driver, then either he's not asking enough questions or the team aren't giving him enough answers. And mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point, it's the communication breakdown, isn't it, that's the biggest um, advocate. Yeah, yeah. So I think, are we all in agreement that the uh, comms breakdown and lack of management is what Lewis... Was what Lewis what lost Lewis the podium today? Do we all agree? Yes or no? I'm going to say. Yeah. Matt. Yeah, I want to explain. Yeah, that, one way or another. Yeah. Okay. We we would explain it, but we we can't spend all day here, Dan. I'm I'm sorry. I, I know you're going to compare it to Bottas, but we we, we don't have time for that. I Quite mean, the opposite, actually. But okay. it's fine. Don't worry. Um, I just wanted to talk about the results. So yeah, we know we know Bottas won it. Uh, if you didn't know that, then. Finally, we've told you, and you've understood everything that we've spoken about in this old podcast. But yes, get in there. Lewis finished P five, and he would have been on the podium if that little mistake hadn't happened. So Max started in second, finished in second. Um, How would you summarise Max's race today? He said himself after the race it was pretty, pretty boring for him, and I think that's the way to describe his race. It was boring. He didn't have much to do. He just nursed the tyres. 58 laps really made a pit stop it was a very very good pit stop mm. uh, and then nursed the tyres again 
and that was it. He just so, held position. I think he's lacking a bit of um, bit of appreciation because he didn't make any mistakes. It was tough conditions. He delivered, right? And I think yeah. it was a little arrogant of him to say, I, I had to try to not fall asleep. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it was arrogant because it's not like he had anyone on his tail to defend and it's not like he was anywhere near Bottas. And he knew that from the start. I think he knew that after... You know, he, there was a stage where he was chasing him down and he knew he couldn't catch him, so he just say, sort of said, I'm going to save the tyres. But, um, yeah, he needed a race like this today. It was championship management is what it was. It was ensuring he got the points on the board. He, he needed it after the bad luck he's had this season with Baku and other races. He needed a race like this today. Matt Perez, P3. What Would you say that was a good result or a bad result for him this weekend? I think by looking at the initial final results, it will seem like it's a very routine run-of-the-mill race for Sergio Perez. However, if you look at the traffic he had to go through from starting further back and the pace he had, I I have to agree with Callum that it was very, very well managed because he knew he didn't have the pace to take the overall win, I feel, so he just did what he had to do. Sergio had to push and scrimp and save and do everything he could to get to that P3. So that was a it was a harder drive for Checo, no questions asked. Uh, even and it's the result that he needs to be doing is finishing close near Max. So that was a solid drive for him, in my opinion. Okay, so Charles Leclerc just lost out on the podium again. We could talk about Ferrari strategy here, uh, Dan. Do you think that was a good result for Charles Leclerc today, given the whole race? Um, yeah, it was decent from Charles. I think he should have gone to the end on one set of tyres as well um, and not pitted because it was worth the risk. Um, just very quickly on Perez, I think I'm right in saying this is the first time since... The last time he beat Bottas was in France. Am I right in thinking that? He didn't do it at Austria-Osteria, didn't do it at Silverstone, hasn't done it since. But this is the first time since then that he's actually done his job for Red Bull. I know he didn't beat Bottas, but it's the first time since then. I, I don't have um, Bottas stats I written on my think board I'm right in saying to refer that. to. Uh, Pierre Gasly finished in P6. Good result, Matt? I'm going to say no. It's not a bad result for that team. I think it's a bad, not even a bad result. That's a disappointing or lackluster result for Pierre Gasly. Uh, you know, being the Red Bull sister team and the form that Pierre Gasly has been on, he maintains that streak of a top six finish. But I, I felt like there was more pace there, especially with him being closer to Charles Leclerc and qualifying. wasn't a bad race by any means, but there was something left on the table, I feel. I just, I just want to point out on Gasly that he got a very, very harsh five-second penalty at the start of the race. That's a good um, point, yeah. You know, if you, if you look at the timings at the end of the race, if he didn't have that five-second penalty, he'd have been in fourth, I believe. So would he have been fifth? Matt, uh, yeah. He finished. Right. Yeah, he was he seven seconds off Charles Leclerc. He would have been right, okay. And I, well, fair yeah, point. Sorry, I forgot that penalty. Hamilton. Hamilton. You know, he'd have beaten Hamilton, one hundred percent. And you know, I, I didn't think he had a bad drive. I think it was quiet. But you got to bear in mind that five seconds was harsh. It was um, ridiculous. Yeah, it it wasn't. It, that wasn't fair. That was racing incident. I even said to Wally when it happened, "That is the definition of racing incident." And Literally, the second yeah, it absolutely. happened, you said that. Yeah. <laughs> The car he's driving, P6, is a solid result. He just normally completely excels what's expected of that AlphaTauri. Gasly, uh, he was my driver of last year. He is um, he's a talent. He had a tough time at Red Bull. He's pulled himself back together and he's, you know, look at where Snowder is. 
Um, <laughs> behind Gasly, we had Chlando Norris. Um, it wasn't what we've used to from him, was it, Dan? No, Philando, that's really disappointing. He'll be really disappointed with himself. But then again, he has so many amazing weekends. This weekend's fine. Like, he's still doing everything he can for McLaren. He'll be disappointed with it, but I don't think we can be disappointed with I, it. I think it was, it was a tough weekend for McLaren. I, I, right? I, I don't agree with that on Lando. I think Lando did what the car allowed him to do. That car wasn't set up for Turkey very well at all. It's not that track did not suit that car. And I feel like he got out of it what he could. And that's all you can ask of the driver at the end of the day. So, yeah, not the great result you would hope from McLaren at the minute. But Lando did all he could with that car today. So, And he absolutely outperformed his teammates. So if you look at yeah. look at that, I 100%. would agree with you. It was a good result for him. Um Carlos Sainz obviously didn't uh, quite match uh, Leclerc all weekend, but he was driver of the day for F1. He put on a show. I really enjoyed watching Sainz today. Matt, you're the resident Ferrari fan. Yeah, there was a little moment in time there in the race where it seemed like every single lap there was a pass by Carlos just to, dare I say, keep us awake. (laughs) Uh, Not to say that his passes were lackluster, but he was consistent. He was aggressive. Uh, not to say that he's not been in the past, but he definitely is starting to get where he should be. And he was the star of the show. Even with that amazing encounter with uh, Perez and Hamilton, I think watching him move his way through like that and scythe through the the field, that was awesome to see. And then just to finish off the top 10, I don't think we need to cover these guys because I can't really recall much from them, but uh, Lance Stroll finished in P9 and Ocon in P10. Um, what we're going to do is just just note, because we don't have time to discuss it, but we're just going to note that we completely forgot to talk about the Perez and Hamilton little scrap that we you've just mentioned, Matt, which was, I will just speak on behalf of the Formula Nerds here, absolutely epic. It was awesome, and Perez showed what he was all about right there. I can't take my hat off to him more. Um he was beaten, in my opinion, and uh, somehow we kept it. But we're going to finish off today just talking about the championship standings, and then we're going to give you our race ratings. Uh, Matt, uh, it's your honourable duty, my friend, to um, update us on the standings, sir. Perfect. So right now, obviously in the constructor standings, Mercedes is still on top. Uh, they have a 36-point lead over Red Bull. Uh, where it gets interesting in the closest part of the constructor standings is even with this strong showing from Ferrari today and a, a split result from McLaren, if you will, that is now an eight-point battle for a third between those two teams. That's going to be something to watch going forward, especially as the tracks change who they suit, if you will. Uh, in the Drivers' Championships, Max Verstappen retains a six-point lead over Lewis Hamilton. Valtteri Botas is in third. Oh, he Lando's retain in fourth. It. He doesn't retain it. Well, excuse me, takes it over. You're right. You are over, right. Yeah. Yeah. Takes it over with a six-point lead. Uh, Valtteri Botas is in third. Lando's in fourth. Sergio is in fifth. And Carlos is in sixth for Ferrari. Uh, mm-hmm. Just for reference, uh, Lando Norris is 22, excuse me, 32 points off of Botas right now. And we, we, we all know, obviously, Mercedes are winning championship, blah, blah, blah. Where's the Ferrari-McLaren battle? Did, did you just say that? Sorry, I, I was... Yes, I did. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, 
multitasking, mate. I can't do it. And we're going to finish off this evening with our race ratings. So I would like just just you just, just to tell me your race ratings, not a not a summary of the whole race, if that is okay for time. Cal, what do you give this race out of ten? Three. Oh dear. Um Dan, what do you give this race out of ten? Just sorry, Dan the Bottas fan, what do you give this race out of ten? Okay. Ignoring the Bottas fan thing, six. Even though it was the only win this year? Well, yeah, with that 10, but I'm ignoring the fact that Bottas won the race and talking about the race overall. Was Matt, race rating. Five. Okay, can some, someone ask me? Go on. Ollie, where would you rate it? Scale one to 10. Three. Oof. It's a loaded spectrum from everybody. Yeah, and the, the only thing that made it three was the battle that we did, forgot to mention between Perez and Hamilton. Um, other than that, it's not because I'm a Hamilton fan. I just uh, it, We were waiting for something to happen, and it never did. Driver of the day, please, Callum. It's got to be Carlos Sainz. Um, 12 overtakes, can't ignore that. He, he was brilliant. Matt? Driver of the day, I'm going to give, since Cal took my answer, I'm going to give it to Checo for that battle mm-hmm. and for stepping up to the plate to be the RB2. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go before you, Dan. And I'm going to say my driver of the day... Oh, God. It was Valtteri Bottas. It was his first win of the season, and he usually messes it up. So, he delivered. The fact that Bottas was no one's driver of the day when he went from P20 to P3 and Carlos Sainz is now everyone's driver of the day when he went Did you not just hear what I said? Eight. Yeah, yeah, except from you. <laughs> Salty! It's ridiculous. Obviously, my driver of the day is the porridge man, Mr. Valtteri Bottas. Porridge what a legend. Man. What a drive. <laughs> he, he was faultless today. It wasn't he did what not a drive, put but he, did, foot, he won it, right? He did not put a foot wrong today. You can't argue with that. I'm sure Callum could, but uh, we don't have enough time for that. No, oh, he can't. Hold on. See? See? Cal, can you say that out loud? I said straight from the beginning, he, he was. He was brilliant today. Just today. But he was, he was good today. The thing and is, half, I, of our, for half, me, half of our listeners dial in specially to hear to us hear rip me. down apart. Yeah, I know. Nah, it's disappointing. And I'm sorry to the listeners, but let's <laughs> face it. They will love me. They will love me. It. This was his last ever victory in Formula One. So let him, oh, it wasn't. Oh, it, got him again. it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, I'm telling you now, it, it is was, not. Hundred percent, it was. Anyway, nope. um, you can't ignore signs overtaking twelve cars and putting on a show. And that's why, for me, he was driver of the day. He entertained me, and that's why he got driver of the day. Wicked. And that's where we're going to leave it today. Um, Matt, where can people go if they want the latest F1 news, spicy goodness, features, things like that? You can head over to FormulaNerds.com. You can check us out at the Formula Nerds uh, page on Facebook, Instagram. We're everywhere. And just as a reminder, our Twitter knows everything. Yeah, if you just follow our Twitter and turn on the, the, the notifications things, you'll know everything before anyone else does. I've I only realised that a few weeks ago, right? And I wondered how everyone knew everything before I did. I didn't follow our own account, and we have just the god of F1 News who runs our account. Um, and if you want a podcast with your F1 News, um, you can get one of those too, can't you, Dan? 
Uh, yeah, the uh, News Roundup show midweek comes out every midweek, probably on Wednesdays from now on. Could vary slightly. But yeah, we've got a few quizzes coming up, lots of news. It's great. Listen in. Me, Charlotte J. Awesome. And Cal, if you wanted to find some good F1 goodness, where, where would you go? Uh, probably to autosport.com or. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> Obviously, you've got to go to FormulaNerds.com, Facebook, all that goodness that Matt told you. Um, and as well, what we are trying to start rolling out for you avid listeners is some video of this podcast onto YouTube. We have trickled out a few of the guest episodes, but maybe potentially in the future, all episodes will end up on YouTube as well. So don't be shy on going to YouTube to give us a watch if you don't fancy just listening. Should we put this one on uh, YouTube? What do you reckon? Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, I know why. Uh, <laughs> because you know, I've I've not had any sleep and I look awful. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing makeup and stuff now that we're going to be on video. At so. least you have hope. I'm going on a video podcast looking like this. Like, suck it up, princess. <laughs> and I have to ask because I've wondered this for the last uh, two hours of recording before we go. Dan, are you drunk? No. You look oh, he's absolutely he's he's rat arse, mate. I'm very, you drink I'm too very tired. <laughs> I'm very tired, but I'm not I'm like, nowhere uh, near drunk. It looks like Deontay Wilder after round three last night. That's how pissed he is. No. Yeah, Believe me, if I didn't if I didn't have a lecture first thing tomorrow morning, I would be celebrating Bossas's win a lot more. But sadly I cannot. But like Deontay Wilder, he's lasted pretty much till the end. So on that note, what a great segue that was. Uh Cal, thanks for um coming over last night, watching the race, watching the fight, and thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, no worries, mate. I can't seem to get rid of you at the minute, but, you know, well, we can all try. Mine, so. We can all try. All right, okay. Matt, um, I, I love spending 10 days with you. Can you come back over, please? ASAP. Uh, so if anybody is hiring in the UK, send a message to me on the nerds. Uh, <laughs> but I always love being here, and make sure to follow all of our amazing writers on formalnerds.com. And if you need a sports journalist in three years, um, contact Dan. Dan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. I have absolutely loved this show. It's been amazing. I couldn't wait. What a what a weekend! And just a side note, sorry, Ollie. That that was a genuine like request to please take Dan from us as well. Like, if you need anyone with a sports journalism degree, <laughs> come knocking in three years and take him away, please. Uh, we will loss. offer financial incentives. <laughs> Your loss. And I do just want to end by saying. This is the first podcast we've ever recorded in Formula Nose history where Bottas has won. So, Dan, you've you've had your moment. You're sacked. Oh, bye then. <laughs> News Roundup show not coming out midweek anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll return, to, we'll return to our normal Botas bashing in Coda in two weeks. Yeah, what yeah. if he wins? What if he wins? Then I'll have wasted my wins. then I will have wasted my money to go watch that race. I I'll be so happy. You don't even understand how much joy today brought me. I'll, I'll I was tell you right now. Buzzing. If he wins if he wins in Kota, mm-hmm. I will upgrade that Bottas t-shirt to a cap as well. <laughs> but I've already got three. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. If he wins at Botas, this is not natural. Sorry, if he wins at where? If he wins at Kota, what did I say? Did I say he wins at Botas? <laughs> yeah. In case you were all wondering, I'm the one that's drunk on this podcast. Uh, if he wins at Kota, this is a disclaimer, and purely for a joke, I will Tanya Harding Dan. You will what? What? I think that must be an American thing. That all, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Matt, have an amazing time at Coton. Uh, is it next week? 
Two weeks. 24th. Matt, have an amazing time at Cota in two weeks. You're going to be there. We've got some friends of the Formula Nerds who might be able to make your time even more special. Um, Are you going to be at the podcast on Sunday? I know the answer. Probably not. Yes. Um, Uh, If if Vettel wins... If Vettel wins... I'll replace your hat. That will work. Also, uh, for any of the fans that are out there that just want to get together or learn more about the Nerds or anything, I'm hard to miss. So feel free to come say hi to anybody that's out there in Coda. We definitely hold to miss. <laughs> His personality is incredible, trust me. Um, Matt, <laughs> I love you, brother. Have an amazing time. We will see you for a show. We don't even know what we're going to talk about yet, but we will see you next week. 